The student debt relief plan is here. Let's unpack it on today's podcast. We're untangling financial issues. Welcome to Your Finances Untangled with Mo Param. Mo is a financial advisor and partner with Cloudvestor. Untangling your finances. Mo Param does it right here every week on this podcast. We drop it every Friday. It is Your Finances Untangled. Consumer Advocate Dave Perkins, Mo Param with Cloudvestors. The virtual firm with the human touch helping people in all phases of their financial life. And Mo does a great job on this podcast keeping up with what is happening. And uh, whether it's with the economy or whether it's with recent legislation, uh, new laws, uh, how it could affect your economic life. So that's something, Mo, we're doing just that here today. We're looking at the Biden-Harris administration student debt relief plan. It has been signed. And it's been signed. Yeah. In force. Here it is. Here it is. So um, how could it, does it affect you? Um, and we're going to kind of break it down here. We're just going to break, break it down. What does it mean? You know, I've talked to people and um, they're like, and it's so new. Uh, they're like, I don't know. And I was like, would I, people who I know have student uh, loans and, and student and debt, and parents of those who have it and they're like i don't i don't know that much about it yet so let's break it down let's break it down um who who's this help yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's brand new i mean it, it was just announced this week and um, there's still going to be more details um, in the weeks to come but essentially yeah this is this is something that biden ran on during his uh, uh presidential campaign about relieving student loan debt and it's been what almost two years and and it's it's here right i think it's no surprise that something was going to be done right because it's been it's been talked about for two years actually a little more than that right throughout his whole campaign um so so here it is and here's here's what's what was just released the other day so it's almost like a three-part plan and the idea behind this is essentially just to relieve those with student debt so the the first part of the of this of the student debt relief plan is to extend um, the repayment and extend the repayment pause by, by uh, I mean, the, like the COVID the pause, like the, many until had until the end of the year because many people yeah, had yeah. pauses on their loans and not just student loans but whether it's car loans and you know, for a while early on in it people had three six months pause and things like that is that what this is right yeah so if you if you've had a a federal government student loan for um, throughout covid then you did not have to pay um, your student loans Um, it's now being extended through the end of 2022 so it's been over two years well it will be over two years where someone basically if you had a student loan a government student loan didn't have to pay. You didn't have to pay student it. Loans. And interests were were basically waived throughout that time frame. So your loan balance hasn't increased over this time as well. And if you think about it, that means that so far in Joe Biden's administration, anyone with a student loan basically has not had to make a payment. Hasn't had to make it. And so this extended it through the end of this year. So they say final, pause. final pause. Mm-hmm. Now the word final hasn't been highlighted, bolded, in all caps. So I don't know if it's going to be the <laughs> final. There's point. no final in Washington. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. There's no final in Washington. But for 
in this, um, I guess, part of the plan, they, this is a final extension until the end of next, until the end of this year. Mm-hmm. So in some way, it's going to transition, hopefully smoothly uh, transition um, those who haven't made payments to kind of ease them back into making payments. Because I believe it, it was set to um, uh, the pause extended until I believe the end of this month okay. previously. So now it's going to extend to the rest of the year. Here are questions I originally had on uh, now we're getting into targeting debt relief to low and middle income families. Okay. Suppose I said uh, you had to, you have to still be paying it. In other words, I can't say I earned my bachelor's degree from Harvard in 1957. Uh, and uh, well, is it paid off? Yes, it's paid off. Well, you, you don't get anything. Is that right? In other words, you have to still owe money. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Yes. You're not going to get a check for loans <laughs> that were already paid and, and get a, you know, a, 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 an award or reward, put it that way yeah. for paying offers for paying off your loans already. And that's been one of the, you know, controversies behind this, this, this plan is because, you know, you have those that, that have paid off their student loans, whether it was a easy one stroke of a check to write off or you grind it, right? Two, three jobs, working late, you know, sacrificing um, and, and paying off these, these loans to now, you know, we're, we're, I won't say we're rewarding those who haven't paid student loans, right? I don't want to get political, but, you know, that's been one of the, the arguments behind it is, if you've taken out these loans, it should be your responsibility to pay it off. Well, and I have heard people say, well, I paid mine. They should pay theirs. However, and this is not, again, I'm not getting political. I'm not making excuses for either side of this debate. But it, there's no doubt that if someone said, I paid mine off back in 1980, then the, the tuition cost has just exploded. Right. So it is yeah. a different, it's all, it's apples and oranges in a way. I get their point, but I'm just also playing devil's advocate too and saying that the tuition cost has exploded. Tuition cost has exploded and just the cost of, of life, the cost of living, right. of living has exploded since 1980. You know, I, I ask myself all the time, you know, um, you know, my mother didn't make much money. She's mm-hmm. retired now, but didn't make much money. You know, but to send myself, my sister, both of us, private school from from basically first grade on through high school. I went to NYU. My sister went to NYU. So we had loans. We we worked while we were in college as well. But it's like, you know, I'm 41, so I'm I'm a product of the 80s and 90s. So you know, she was rent controlled in you know the place that in the apartment that we lived in. Mm-hmm. So there were some ways that her, you know. Her uh, expenses were kind of capped, right, because of rent control. In New right. York. But I, I think about, you know, the if she had to in her if she made the amount of money she made then now and tried to raise two kids, I, I don't even know how she would have done it in, in today's world. Right. Yeah, it's yeah, it is different. It, it, it is. is. It it's is. Crazy. Let me. Th- this is where I get confused about this. So maybe you can help me with this. We're going to get to like income caps on this, but um, I've heard. Uh, there are people in retirement and they're retired and still pay or 
a student loan, still paying on it. Is that true? Yeah. That is true, right? That is true. So that would they true. apply? Would they be eligible for relief at whatever the rest of what they owe possibly or up to twenty or up to 10000 Yeah. Uh, there's, there's nothing here that has an age that I see right here that has any type of age discrimination, right? So it doesn't say you have to be you know, 25 or under 30 or under 40, right? You just have, okay. one is you have to have, you know, student loan, government student loans. Here's another question and I have. You're if right. You, there are retirees that we were are paying that, that are paying, you know, student loans. Okay. So here's another question I have. If you are a current student, but you are, you know, you have the deferred loan, you know, you're currently a student. Do you, have you heard how that will work for, for them? Will they get up to 20 or 10,000? forgiven so i know i saw where the loans had to have been in place by uh, i believe like april of this year that the loans have to have already been established so yes a current student Uh um that i'm not quite sure i'm not yeah i'm not either i gotta dig a little deeper on that yeah because you know if you think about it if you are a junior let's say you're your third year in high in college right well technically you still have these loans. Well, you have it. You may not have paid anything on it yet, but you still have it. Right. That's something worth looking into, but let's look at these income caps here because, well, first off, the the forgiveness can go up to 20,000 or up to 10,000. So how does that break down? Yes. So if you have, let's see, if you have uh, Pell Grants, Mm -hmm. Well, then the Pell Grant loan, um, you're able to get up to $20,000 of your Pell Grant um, uh, forgiven. Okay. Uh, if you don't have any Pell Grants, then um, you can have up to $10,000 of your debt. That up to gets me because it's just real vague, right? Up to. Up to 10000 So let's say you have you know 40000 in Pell Grants. Uh-huh. Well, then you can get twenty grand. Um, well, it says uh, up to though. That's what they always get you. You said up to. Yeah. That's right. A dollar. A dollar is on the way to twenty thousand. <laughs> oh. Yeah, maybe you know. Again, it's it's we're still unpacking it, right? So I don't know. If there's like a sliding scale. It says, <laughs> you know, because uh, you know to be eligible for it, you have to have a income. If you're if you're filing, if you're if you're an individual filing single, basically. And your income's over as under 125 grand. Okay. Then you're eligible. If you're married or head of household, uh, filing jointly, then you know 250 or lower is your, is your income threshold. Okay. So, so the up to you're right, right? The up to is a <laughs> is a cap, right? So if you owe owe 40 thousand in Pell grants, so the up to is 20 grand. So you can't get any more than 20 grand. Uh, if you owe fifteen thousand, ten thousand in Pell grants, well, then you'll just get your entire ten grand paid off. Right? Would it be the entire ten? Is that why they say the up to? I, that's just yeah. what I'm. You know, okay. But I'm wondering, you know, who knows, right? There could be some more language where maybe it's a sliding scale. So maybe it's, you know, if you make seventy-five thousand or less, then you get the whole twenty, and then if you make from seventy-five thousand and one dollar to a hundred thousand. Maybe you'll get fifteen grand, and then those who make, you know, a hundred to one twenty-five, you get ten. Okay, grand. all right, that makes sense. Right. So it could be a sliding scale. Okay, okay, okay. All right, good, good, good. I doubt, I doubt it, in my opinion, because that's a uh, that's a lot to well the record keep. 
you know, it's funny. We were going over this before we started recording, and we, you know, I felt like I was back in school in a study group. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Because we were both reading it, and you know, you were reading some, I was reading some, and then we were talking about how we digested that information <laughs> we just read. <laughs> and, and one of the sites, and this is a government site, studentaid.gov, and it does have frequently asked questions. And one of those is, and it kind of, I guess this really mirrors exactly what you said. What does the up to and up to 20,000 or up to 10,000 mean? Your relief mm-hmm. is capped at the amount of your outstanding debt. For example, if you're eligible for 20 in debt relief, but you have a balance of 15 remaining, you will only re- receive 15000 in relief debt. So, okay. Well, that means if you only owe fifteen, they can only forgive fifteen. They're not going to cut you a check for the extra five. Right. No, okay. they won't do that. All right. So, yeah. So, they're not cutting a check to you for anything above your balance. Yeah. Or, yeah, above your above that threshold. But maybe there's a scale, you know, an income scale down the road. Uh, I doubt it again because I believe that's just a lot of record keeping, right, to figure out, you know, who, if you, to, to match your loan with your income, just to figure out what the sliding scale is. I think, you know, this threshold of 125 if you're filing single and under, mm-hmm. uh, and then 250 uh, or under if you're married or uh, head of household. So some people, you know, um, as far as like, okay, how do I apply for this or how do I get consideration for this? Well, um, there's a, there's, it says nearly about 8 million borrowers already, borrowers already have, already have their income information already with the Department of Education. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you fit that threshold, then my guess is they already have that information and you may you may not even have to apply. You probably they'll probably just send you a letter saying you're good to go. Okay, they already have what they need. <laughs> right, you're yeah. good. You're you're forgiven. Well, you still have to apply, <laughs> but then you're forgiven. Or well, maybe you still have to apply, but you don't have to like um, provide your inf- your your income information because right. it's already in the they system. They have it. Okay, they already have it. Um, yeah, so that is so it's going almost like the stimulus checks that people received, right? I mm-hmm. mean, the government had your income information already, right? So either you got the check or you did it. Exactly, um, man. You know, okay. So before the break, um, there's a, a couple of things that we're going to break down here. One is we're going to look at well, after the break, I should say, um, the public service loan forgiveness. And that was the thing we were really doing the study group on. So Mo's going to break that down, what exactly that component of this is, and also um, how it can make the system more manageable for current and future borrowers. And um, then another thing too, and maybe we'll get this answered is because you mentioned that you have to when we were talking about our current students eligible for forgiveness, even though they haven't paid anything on it yet, it's deferred. Um, and you said they had, the loan had to have been established before 2022. But what about those who are getting loans now? I mean, would they aren't they going to be up for forgiveness until something changes with this law, right? Wouldn't it apply for them? I guess that's a... Well, it says enrollments on or after November 1st, 2022 will not be. Oh, no, no. That's on the public service loan forgiveness. I'm getting things all confused here. Do you know what I'm saying, though, where you said overall on the uh, the debt forgiveness, you said that it could apply to students, but it uh, you had to have established the loan before 2022. But my question is, but suppose, but what about for the students going forward setting up debt? Are they 
not eligible for debt relief or is this something that would also apply to them? You see what I'm saying there? Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a, um, there's a lot here. It's all new and it's certainly not simple because it's out of Washington. It's legislation. It says here something along the lines of here. This is, uh, the loans have to be fully dispersed by June 30th of 2022. Fully dispersed, meaning, okay, that that it, that brings up another question. If they have to be fully dispersed, does that mean you have to be out of college and this would not apply to current students? Because if you're a current student, the loan hasn't been fully dispersed, fully right? Dispersed. Yeah. Okay, we've got to do a little more digging here. But anyway, we'll yeah, take a break. Yeah. Uh, it, just like what do we do last week? Uh, and we said we it's an initial look at it. We will break it down more on future podcasts. Uh, yeah, because last week we talked about the uh, the Inflation Reduction Act. That's right. That's right. And certainly um, we're going to revisit and that. And that was, that was hot off the presses. And right. we were going to dig deep into it this week. But then here goes another <laughs> package that comes right out. I right know. And so, once again, it has that new... Ah, that new legislation smell. <laughs> I don't want to say what it smells like. Good <laughs> 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 one. Good one. All right. We'll take a break and we'll cover some more uh, from what we are covering on the, on the podcast this week, the Biden Harris administration student debt relief plan. And that is coming up on your finances untangled. How can you enjoy the best of both worlds in your financial planning? The convenience of a virtual relationship with your advisor, but also maintaining the human touch. That's CloudVestors. That's CloudVestors.com. That's a relationship you can trust. At CloudVestors, you get a personal relationship with one of the team advisors who will help you build a robust investment strategy. It's all about specific, customized planning for your unique situation and for wherever you are in life, whether you're just starting out or getting close to retirement. Holistic financial planning in all areas, including taxes, estate planning, insurance, cash flow, and budgeting. They even offer customized personal websites for clients. The technology of today while still maintaining that human touch. That's CloudVestors. That's CloudVestors.com. The conversation continues on your finances untangled with Mo Param of CloudVestors. CloudVestors is the virtual firm with the human touch. Consumer advocate Dave Perkins here. We're breaking down, just as we did last week, um, it rather new legislation. Uh, law, actually, uh, when we did it with the Inflation Reduction Act. Now we're breaking down the Biden-Harris administration student debt relief. And um, we will uh, certainly revisit this on future podcasts. But we've already talked about who would be eligible for debt relief. Uh, we broke that down and income uh, ceilings and all of that. Now let's move into the uh, something we we really had to kind of study and read up on a little bit before we started recording. And that is this component of it. And that is the public service. Um, what is it called? The, the, I've got it public right here. Service loan, loan forgiveness. forgiveness. All right. So I think the way we understand this is if you finish college, you still have debt and you went into some form of government job, whether state, local, federal, is that your understanding of it? Or even yeah, fire department yeah. or something like so, that, you know? Yeah. So federal, state, you know, local government, uh, military, you know, certain nonprofits, uh, tribal, 
um, like you said, firefighters. Yeah, if you are in this industry, if you're in this field, basically a public servant, um, then you could have the remaining balance, the remaining balance. Okay, this is not up to 20,000. This is a little different now. This is your remaining balance forgiven okay. um, under, under, this, under this law. And you unpack it a little bit, and it, it looks like, you know, first you have to, you have, to have made 10, 10 years of payments, so basically 120 payments while working in the public service field. Now, you don't have to, you don't have to be working in the public service field for 10 consecutive years. I've, I've read that. But you just have to be uh, making 10 years of payments, and then you'll be able to qualify to have your balance completely paid off. Now, there were so certain loans when the we average were... average balance was like 67 grand. Okay, average is 67 grand. There were certain loans that we were looking at that were were not originally um, forgiven. And now with this legislation, they are forgiven. Um, they've been well, included they in the, this, right? They've been included. Well, um, you have, so there's certain loans, um, they, I think they're called like the family, the federal family education well, loan. Perkins. And Perkins loans. Perkins, not mine. Yeah, <laughs> not your loan. Not your loan. The Perkins loans. Uh, pri- prior there, those payments did not factor in to the calculation of whether you uh, made 10 years of payments or not. Um, so if you, let's say you had a, a, a what was it, the, the a regular fair student, a regular government loan and the, and the, uh, the Pell Grant, and you also had a Perkins loan and the, and the, if you made payments to your Perkins loans, those payments did not factor into the calculation of those 10 years of payments that you had to make. So there's, there's actually a waiver that extends until October of this year. And if you apply for that waiver, what the government's going to do is credit you those payments that you made to, you know, the family, the federal family loans or those Perkins loans. They're going to credit the payment that you made with those loans to count towards the other 10 years of payments. And then um, if you still if you still owe, then you still have to make you have to make that application in or put that application in by October 31st of this year, or you won't be able to use your past Perkins loan payments towards this credit. So you're, yeah, the clock's ticking on that. And and that's what we were trying to figure out earlier is you see credit, you think, oh, wait a minute, they're going to cut a check to them. But no, you have, so you have to have some other debt to apply that credit to. Right. Yeah. You that still have to have outstanding loans, right? Okay. So again, no one's going to be credited if you have no balance, like if, he's, if you literally owe no student loans at all, uh-huh. but you've paid them off, you're not going to get a check in the mail. Right. Because you paid it off. These are for those who still have some form, some existing balance that's out there. Okay. And then um, now going forward and see that I still have that question. We'll have to dig into this a little more for a future podcast. If you're a current student and what we were talking about earlier is it sounds like that if it hasn't been dispersed by 2022. um, Right. So we're going to have to look at that because I'm thinking about so no law is permanent. I wouldn't think it certainly could be changed, but let's say this was totally untouched going forward decades. Then what about students now? 
but let's look at what we know so far as going forward, how this legislation mm-hmm. aimed to make the student loan system more manageable. What are some of the components of that? Right. So um, borrowers would know what would now be able to, to, to pay no more than 5% of what's considered their discretionary income after their, uh, um, uh, of their monthly income for their undergraduate loans. Currently it's like 10%. So now they're going to cap to five. at 5%. Mm, okay. All right. So that's a relief for those who are, you know, for those who are in college now or who have, uh, who may not qualify for this, um, for, for the, um, uh, for the repayment, for the relief plan, but they're, they, they're able to now start to cap your monthly discretionary income payment now 5%. Quick question. I'm not getting political. I'm just, I have a curious mind. Okay. It's not being political or a fear. Maybe does this, or could this have the potential to green light steeper tuition increases in the future or giving universities the, the feeling that they had a green light to raise tuition? Well, because my point is this, I'm not saying one way or the other on this and whether some of it wasn't necessary or not. I am saying this it seems like it would have been better to approach reining in the tuition increases, right? Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and so if yeah. you only fix this part, will the tuition increases continue to skyrocket? And am I, am I being unfair in saying that they've skyrocketed? They have. Tuition has skyrocketed. It, now, it, it, it has, there has been a, a, a temporary cool down in the, the cost of tuition, it, it has gone down. I mean, um, relatively speaking, right? Uh-huh. But, you know, in early 2000s, um, 2000, 2010, 2011, when we're talking an annual cost of adjustment living uh, for uh, basically the cost of tuition going up 5 7% annually. So now we're looking at probably like around close to 2 to 3% annually, the, the cost of tuition okay. going up. But yeah, it's still it's still pricey over time. So this is interesting, right? Because now does this encourage people to go and borrow more? I don't know, because now I can borrow, but now I know that my monthly my monthly uh, uh, income, but they're only going to use five percent of my discretionary income as part of my payment plan. So I can't, so I'm never going to be paying more than 5% of my discretionary income. Yeah. So if my discretionary income is, I don't know, trying to do easy math, what a hundred dollars, are you going to, you know, am I, am our payments no more than 5% of that? So five bucks. Right. I, you know, I don't and, know. See, does that's... That, so does that encourage me to take out more loans? Because now I know, my payment's only going to be five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, right? That, that sounds ridiculous. My only point here, it, whenever there's a well-intentioned effort to make something available, and I'm not saying that's not a good effort and a valiant effort, but sometimes it can create an infrastructure where it becomes bloated. Witness healthcare. You see what I'm right. saying? I mean, suppose you had to, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you, if you think about that. And I'm not saying just government. I'm saying the entire insurance industry and everything, not casting any criticism. I'm saying the system sometimes can get out of control. Yeah, I mean, if you think about another part of this, another part of this plan is they're also going to, okay, so right now, now borrowers, borrowers 
would not pay more than 5% of their discretionary income. Okay. Mm -hmm. They're also going to raise the amount of income that is considered non-discretionary. Okay. Okay. And so, and so if you look at it here, they're by guaranteeing that no borrower, this is again, this is from the website guaranteeing that no borrower earning under 225% of the federal poverty level. So about $15 minimum will have to make a monthly payment. So basically if you make $15 an hour, okay, it looks like here you'll have no monthly payment. No. So now I can borrow whatever, you know, borrow 75 grand, but if I'm making minimum wage or, you know, $15, um, well, I hope if I'll you have the degree, that. you know, hopefully the hope would be to get above that anyway. <laughs> I mean, the hope, right? But, yeah. but then you have, but you'll have no monthly payments. Um, the loan balances will be forgiven after 10 years of payment before okay. it used to be 20. Now it's 10 uh, for, for balances less than $12,000. Okay. Okay. So, and then borrows unpaid monthly, and the government is going to cover the borrower's unpaid monthly interest. So this is kind of, so these ways, these steps are, are what can be done to help those that are, uh, that are still in school, right? Still have, maybe don't qualify for the 10,000 or 20,000 forgiveness, Yeah. but now they're going to, it's going to tweak your payments. You know, just like with anything else, um, I always am skeptical when when someone's talking to me about with a criticism or a praise, for instance, of legislation, and it's 100% praise or 100% criticism. Life's not like that. With anything, there's some good and some bad. And, and you know, I told you before we started recording that my tongue would be bleeding at the end of... <laughs> you did, did say that. Did I behave? You did. I said I wasn't going to inter interject any opinion because it's not my place to do that here on this. <laughs> this is an informative, you, educational. But did behave today? What did, what grade do you give me on tongue biting? I give you a B minus. What? Why did I not get an A? <laughs> is that because I speculated on the explosion of the infrastructure of any entity when something like this happens? It's just that it seems to be the natural course of events, <laughs> and that they should also tackle tuition spikes. There was that, it is. So you, was you that get what, an A for re, for uh, re, <laughs> for being able to recant? No, recant. To be able to um, to analyze the reason why you got to be minus. <laughs> okay, I'm with you. On a side note, nothing to do with this. Side note, I'm hearing of of a rethinking of how we view or 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 let me see how how we grade, if you will, since we just talked about grading, the um, attractability of a job candidate. It, it, we went through this long period where um, for many positions, you had to have a degree. And now we're putting uh, emphasis also on experience. Are you following or keep, are you, are you noticing that same trend or hearing about it? Yeah. Yeah, I am. I mean, um, you know, even even in our firm, right? We're we don't necessarily say that you have to have a college degree, right? It, there's, in some aspects, experience is one of the best teachers that there is. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, yes, having a college degree does 
does help in some aspects, right? It, it you kind of get an idea of. I like my doctor to help. You know. Yeah, I like my doctor to have. I don't want to go to the doctor and say, you know, we're going to try this. Um, we're going to bleed you with leeches. <laughs> I don't have yeah. a de- medical degree. I think this will work. Yeah. But it has been it has been one of those things where it's I wouldn't say it's not as valuable before, but bef- but you know when I went growing up, it was for me, it was you needed a college degree. No, I think it's still valuable. You even needed the masters. Right. Well, see, we've gone to that now. The masters is yesterday's four year degree. But you know, I think that I'm not saying that that's not still valuable. I just think we're also looking at experiences being equally valuable. And oh, I think that's course. a good thing. I think it's such a great thing. In other I words, such a great there thing. were I mean, some jobs, zero tolerance. If you don't have that degree, forget about it. And I think that's changing a little bit. Yeah. And I don't if think you, that's a bad take, thing. I don't think it's a bad thing at all. I mean, if you take an 18-year-old, right, let's say he or she just they didn't want to go to college, they didn't think it was the right thing for them, couldn't afford it, whatever it may be, but they started working in a field. So four years later, now this 18-year-old who's – if you put them side by side with a 22 year old who just graduated college, yeah. no, no experience. And I get to pick between someone who has four years of experience who've, you know, cut their teeth, um, had a lot of training. Yeah. They probably look a little more attractive than the person who has, you know, this, this degree on it. And they show. probably paid four years of dues. So the one who, who is just out of college can go pay some dues for a few years and right. be as attractive. That's right. that's how it works. That, I mean, that, that that's just kind of how life works. You, you do have to pay your dues a little bit. That's right. Anyway, okay. Uh, did That didn't drop me to a C, did it? Because we're not talking about no, this legislation no. there. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> well, my brain's about to explode anyway, so this is a good point to end. <laughs> so, yeah, let's. And then you know, next week, you know, who knows? Maybe a new plan, a new a new package gets uh, released, and we're we'll talking about that. A new law or something a like new that. Law. Yeah. Okay. Well, oh, hey, yeah. they're cranking them out right now. Uh, right. Well, Mo, enjoy it, and I I appreciate the B minus or plus that you gave me on me biting my tongue. It's a little bit of blood there from biting it. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, I do think that with legislation, I mean, take time to read up on it, um, in other words, and make your own, come to your own opinion on That's it right. when you read up yeah. on it. That's always and good then, to do. And then, you know, we're going to keep looking at this. You know, again, more details are coming out as uh, in, the, in the coming week. So as more details come out, I'll continue reading it. And if I think anything that needs to be shared to the public, I'll share it with you all. That's right. That's what you do here. And uh, we'll have another fresh topic next week. Again, every Friday, uh, these podcasts, we drop them. So subscribe, like, share, rate, anything. Review. Review. Talk about it. Tell your friends. Listen. Mo, have a great weekend. You too. You too, Dave. And thank you so much for joining us. We're back. Drop another one next Friday right here. Your finances untangled. Be sure to rate, review, and share this podcast. New episodes of Your Finances Untangled are available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your podcasts. 
Investment advisory services offered through Foundations Investment Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Moise Param and his guests provide general information, not personalized advice, and are not liable for the usage of information discussed. The opinions expressed on this program are not intended to be a recommendation or investment advice and do not constitute a solicitation to buy, sell, or hold a security or an investment strategy. This information should also not be considered tax or legal advice. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company.